Did that delete all of your wife's contacts from the phone? And I would say, I don't know. And they would say, how do you, what do you mean? And I'd say, how should I know? Just accept you're going to feel like a loser until you have a $2 million home. And that's just not going to happen. <laughs> that's just not going to happen. <laughs> Welcome to The Bitterest Pill. It's Dan Class. I'm back to my garage. Yes. I'm sitting in my garage here under the flight path at Los Angeles International Airport, as I am want to do. What does that even mean, as I am want to do? Doesn't that mean, you know, something I want to do? As I, you know, as I'm doing something I want to do? There's got to be a better way of putting that. And and clearly there is, because no one typically says that in a conversation. Well, you know what I want to do, typically. <laughs> no, one do, no one does that, do they? I mean, honestly... So how have you been? I know it's been a while since we spoke. Now, the irony of the, you know, that is that it's been a couple weeks. It's been two weeks. I think two weeks have gone by. And maybe it's two weeks in my head and it's actually three weeks. But two weeks that should have had shows have gone by that did not have shows. Maybe even three weeks. Definitely two weeks. And the reason it's been two weeks, maybe three weeks partly is because my kids were on spring break and you would assume that because my kids were not in school and were on vacation and I am not exactly you know overloaded with work that there'd be plenty of time for uh whatever recording of the podcast no no there's something about spring break now you know we're not rich so you know we didn't travel mm no, in fact, uh, my wife was out of town. My wife was out of town working. She was in Canada. So the kids were on spring break. My wife is in Canada, and I'm at home. And somehow the kids and I have this really gorgeous ability to wake up not too late, not too early, trust me, but not too late. But by the time they eat, I eat, I clean up after them, I clean up after me, then they need a snack, I give them a snack, clean up after the snack. Now I'm starting to get a little hungry, I eat a little snack, and the next thing you know, it's four o'clock. For two weeks, every day, I get up, next thing I know, boom, four o'clock, time to take Toluda dance. Every day, day after day. And then... Oh, I got to move something here. I'm sorry. I, I really need to set this studio up into a comfortable space. What I what I need to do is bring a bed in here, and I could just lie in bed. I could get under a big uh, comforter and talk. That that would I think honestly would be the ideal situation instead of sitting in this you know 20 year old desk chair that I can't even really move around in because it'll make too much noise. And the clutter of crap that's in this studio. This was once a glorious empty studio. And now it is the uh, pile, you know, oh, whatever. It's the, it's the closet. It's basically, we've turned it into a closet. I even have a bar in here that we used to hang a green screen from. I could bring in some of my extra clothing and just put it in there. It'd be perfect. Really just seal the look. So, yeah, the kids and I basically did nothing for two weeks. A week and a half. However long they were off break, on break. Now we did go see my parents one day, and uh, we talked about going to the beach a couple of times. I don't know if that counts, but as soon as we start talking about the beach, 
something would come up where I had to do something, some tiny little thing that would take just enough time to mess up going to the beach. Because you know we live so far from the beach that it's a day-long commitment, not really. If my daughter were a couple years older, we could ride our bikes to the beach. She's not quite there. She can't ride a bike that well. And her legs are so long that it'd be like, for her, it'd be like a 50-mile trip, which I'm not going to subject her to. But but trust me, compared to the vast majority of people that you know and that I know, we live a ridiculously short distance from a beach. We could have gone for basically free, maybe a couple quarters free to the beach every day for two weeks, but instead we watched Netflix. We watched Psych, we watched 30 Rock, then we switched over to Parks and Rec. Hudson and I got started on the British thing called the IT crowd. Have you seen that? Yeah, and the, the, right, and then driving back and forth to dance. I did a little bit of work. You know, every once in a while I have to record, I record these um, interviews. I don't conduct the interview, I record the interview. It's a holdover from old podcasting work that I used to do. And that would come up every once in a while. And I'm not, not that I'm complaining about the work, but it's just one of those weird, just enough of a thing in the day, you can't really stray that far from home, you know? And the only thing, and, and, and really, honestly, the problem is this. Really? Really? I can't think of anything to do. Right? I have plenty to keep me busy between laundry and shopping and groceries and folding laundry, putting laundry away and br- right, yelling at them about brushing their teeth and showering and all that jazz. But really, but, but as far as like, let's do something fun, I cannot think of anything. Ever. The only thing I could think of was going to Universal Studios Hollywood. You know what that is, right? It's Universal Studios where they make movies and TV shows. And then there's an amusement park attached to that and then kind of like a mall. And for years, in the summer, I say to my wife, hey, wife, hey, Melissa, let's take the kids to Universal. And she'll always say, oh, God, you know, she doesn't want to go. So I say to her, hey, I've got a great idea. You'll be in Canada. You'll be working. You won't even be here. What do you care? I think one of those days during spring break, because we're going to start going nuts, I'm going to take the kids to Universal. Then I'll be a hero. We'll have something to do. If we go this time of year, we, uh, you know, if you pay for a day, you get the year for free. You know what I mean? You can go back as many times as you want. We can go in the summer a bunch of times. It'll be great. What does she say? Oh, really? Because uh, I'd want to go with you. Really? Because whenever in the past I've su- suggested this in any way, you have not wanted to go. You've not wanted to go at all. You've not wanted to go. And now you want to go because you're going to be in Canada. Now you want to go to Universal Studios. When I was a kid, that was my favorite thing to do. In probably more at a certain point, you know, you get to a certain age, that was better than Disneyland. Because I'd been to Disneyland a bunch of times when I was a kid. See, when I was a kid, I we grew up I grew up here in California, in Southern California. And my dad was a you know, a low-level, at that time, a low-level executive at the Eastman Kodak Company. And my dad was tall and handsome and thin. And he had a petite little blonde wife and these two very American kids. And so what Kodak would do, they would have him, I've told you this before, they would have him take Japanese businessmen 
in the United States from Japan, you're visiting Kodak, we would take them to Disneyland. Now, we probably only did this once, and in my mind, we did it a hundred times. Don't get me wrong. So, and, and it's not like we hung around, I don't think, really, honestly, with the businessmen, but we were like the ideal little American family, really. And we would take them to Disneyland, and we'd get our tickets. Remember, those were back in the days where you didn't just go in. See, nowadays, you pay $1,000 million, and you just go into Disneyland. And if you can stand in line long enough, you can get into any ride. And now they even have these express passes and all this jazz. When I was a kid with the Japanese businessmen, they had, uh, what were they even called? You know, tickets of books. Books of tickets. Hi. How are you? Tickets of book. I'm still saying it wrong. Stop it. Books of tickets. And the tickets had different letters assigned to them. And then each letter value, right? And that's where people do people still use the expression, oh, that's kind of an e-ticket ride. Do they still say that at all? That harkens back to the old days of uh, Disneyland and probably Disney World, where you didn't just go in. You had a book of tickets. And when you ran out of tickets, you had to buy more tickets. But I think an e-ticket ride might have been the, the wimpiest, lowest level ticket ride. That's, that's kind of your Mr. Toad level of ride. I don't think even it's a small, small, I can't talk today. Can we, should we just pack this whole thing in? It's been two weeks. I've barely spoken. I don't want to speak. Uh, I'm tired of speaking. I've been speaking for too long. Can we just pack this whole thing in? I don't even know if this is recording. Is this even recording? I'm getting horrible levels on my stupid brand new thing here. Turn it up. I don't know. You'd go into Disneyland and you'd have the tickets and you'd only have, right, Use a, you'd, you'd use up all the A tickets first going on the Haunted House and the Pirates of the Caribbean. And then you're stuck at the end of the day with nothing to look forward to but Mr. Toad's wild ride. Wild in quotes. So where am I even going with that? Oh, so, so I got to a certain age. So what we live in California. For those of you just tuning in. So when I was a kid, I was born here in California. This is where I am now. I'm in California. My house is primely located really Los Angeles International Airport adjacent uh, without exa- I don't know if you think I'm exaggerating obviously we're not really under the flight path they're not allowed to build homes under the flight path like the landing path they're not right there was even an old neighborhood that was uh right near the beach this beautiful neighborhood in these rolling hills and, the, and, you know, eminent domain, man. The airport came in and I don't know if they bought the land and kicked the people out or what, but out in Z and that's gone. So obviously we don't really live under the flight path, but I'm telling you, if I go in my backyard right now, I can watch the planes land with my naked eye. Not, I don't even need binoculars or any kind of fancy craning of my neck. I, the, they're right there. So if you can imagine, this is the best place to live in all of Southern California. So we, but I was born in Southern California, okay? But then we moved to Rochester because, again, my dad worked for the Eastman Kodak Company, a company that, you know, used to exist. Back before you guys all got phones that could take pictures, there was this thing called Kodak, right? Between the, before the iPhone and your uh, digital camcorder and your digital projector and all your fancy schmancy stuff, there was a company that made film. And um, 
Oh, that does. All right, let's go on this tangent now. People still say, "Okay, listen." When it drives me crazy. Well, God, see, as soon as I say that, then three other things slightly related to the flood my brain. Okay, oh God, I'm going to have some kind of aneurysm right now. Okay, okay, a couple things. About the English language, listen. Just because you're holding your iPad in the direction of your kid's music recital and it's recording video, it doesn't mean you're filming anything. You're not filming anything. Very few people you know have ever filmed anything. I personally haven't filmed anything since my dad's old wind-up 8mm camera broke. Now, if you want to say you're recording, shooting, capturing, there's plenty of things to say, but you're not filming. You're not filming. You're not filming standing there looking like a moron with your iPad. By the way, what kind of shot are you getting with your iPad? Really? You can really, in 50 years, in 20 years, in three years, you're going to be happy with that shot of your kid. The only time they ever played recorder in that stupid recital. And the best you can do is hold up your stupid 12-inch iPad and that's, that's good enough for you, for your filming. You're not exactly Stanley Kubrick. They're standing there with your stupid phone either. But there's something about there's something about the phone. See, at least when I see someone filming with their phone, I figure that they forgot their real camera and then they just pulled their phone out because they happen to have their phone because we always have our phones. It's the people with the iPads, and I don't care if you do it. I don't care. I'm going to shame you until you stop it. Because I bet you purposely brought the iPad to videotape your child's recital. Seriously. Seriously, just get get a better, you got anything that can zoom, no, nothing, that can zoom in a little bit so you can at least see your basic features of your child's face. And maybe it's because I'm this old that I remember when we did actually used to film things, and I heard somebody on a podcast the other day, and it was probably one of those NPR podcasts, and I love them. I love NPR podcasts. I don't listen to your stupid podcast anymore. I don't know why you still listen to this podcast. All I listen to is podcasts that are really, honestly, just repurposing of NPR shows. But on some of these NPR shows, they still say, and they've been saying this since day one, and I'm not exaggerating, by the way, when I say day one. Way back in 2004, it would drive me crazy, and it still drives me crazy today in 2013 or wherever the hell we are. You can podcast this program at W. No, you can't. Podcast is what I do. It's not what they do. It's what NPR, it's what you're doing. They don't podcast the show to receive it. You podcast through a show so they can receive it. Podcasting goes from you to them, to the audience. It's to, podcasting is to the audience, the delivery system, not the receiving system. You can download this. You can say download. You can get. You can retrieve. You can subscribe. But you can't. The, the audience, they don't podcast. And you didn't tape the show anywhere. I suspect that you haven't taped anything in seven years. It's the 21st century. You can record things, but you haven't taped anything. I remember when we used tape, and I remember when we used film, and you've got to stop saying that. 
This is an A-ticket ride. Get on the train. I used to love going to Universal Studios. Now, back in those days, it was old school. It wasn't like today where they have those, you know, those rides you get on and you watch a big kind of immersive movie and the, and the seat moves up and down with the ride. So you feel like you're on a roller coaster when you're really just in a seat. And the seat's probably only moving really three or four inches and tilting back and tilting forward. But it's doing it at exactly the same moment that it should be doing it if the movie thing was, you know, those things. They didn't have those. You would basically go to Universal. They didn't even have City Walk, which is this big kind of exaggerated mall area where everything's big and shiny and flashy and it's probably like the normal outdoor mall near where you live but it used to be a unique thing well it was even before that back in the 70s universal studios you would just kind of wait in line for an hour and then you'd go down i think yeah you'd get on the tram and the most scientifically you know complex attraction at Universal when I was a kid, and it was the most fantastic thing I'd ever seen, was the shark. Have you ever seen the shark at Universal's, at Universal Studios? You're on, the, you're on the tram. This is very exciting. You're on the tram, and the tram goes over a little bridge. And I could, have, I could be combining 15 different attractions into this one thing, so bear with me. But you're on the tram, and the tram stops. And I think maybe the tram, it runs out of gas or something. But for some reason, you're stopped on this bridge in this tiny little seafaring town in New England somewhere, which later on, they would say, was the town for Murder, She Wrote, I guess. But in the 70s, there was no Murder, She Wrote. So I think it was Amityville. I think they would just come out and say, this is Amityville or what, wherever Jaws was. Where was Jaws? You know what I'm saying? Am, Amityville? Was it Amityville? Sharkville, baby. So you're in Sharkville, and you know because you've seen Jaws, because we all saw Jaws back in those days. We all saw Jaws. We're going to need a bigger boat, right? We all saw Jaws. So you go on the bridge, and then the, the thing stops. The train stops, and then you're... Dun-dum. Dun-dum. And then you know the shark, and you see the shark fin, and the shark fin's coming, and then... The big mechan- that was the most amazing thing I had ever seen. A big mechanical half a shark, really, honestly. That would kind of come up and ah, we'd all scream and get a little bit damp, and then we'd drive away. But back in those days, there was the shark, and then the bridge that you'd get stuck on, and it would start to fall apart, and that was kind of scary. And then you'd go into this creepy tunnel. And the creepy tunnel, how do I even describe this? The creepy tunnel. Do you remember this? Do you ever did you Do you ever go on Creepy Ice Tunnel? Now, I think the story of the Creepy Ice Tunnel, and they even incorporated it into an episode of The Six Million Dollar Man. Now, The Six Million Dollar Man, young people, was a television show about a man, an astronaut, Steve Austin, who was in some kind of crazy space crash trying to get to, I forget where, the moon, I assume. I assume he was trying to get to the moon. And his rocker went, I don't know what happened, but he had a horrible crash. Luckily, though, he crashed here on the Earth. In present-day Earth, it was not time travel. But they decided that instead of letting him just die, because apparently his legs were destroyed, his arm was destroyed, his right arm was just completely ripped off, one of his eyes was punctured, rendered useless. I mean, the guy was in horrible shape. But for whatever reason, this guy was so awesome. Maybe because his name was Steve Austin, and Austin is awesome. 
They rebuilt him. They made him better. Faster. Stronger. He was the six million dollar man. He was bionic. He was given super bionic legs and a super bionic arm. Just one. And a bionic eye. And when he, whenever he could see, right? Whenever he was doing his like bionic vision, I think it went like, was that him or was that the bionic woman who had bionic hearing? Now, how you destroy the eye in a major space crash and the skull is not pulverized, I have no idea. But somehow, Ice, ice Tunnel Alpha was incorporated into, I, I want, I'd love to know what order this happened. I assume that they built this crazy-ass tunnel. And they were just like, we got to put this in one of the shows because that will really bring in the kids, you know. But you, but you would drive, so the tram driver would drive your tram into this tunnel and it would stop. And the, the, the floor of the tunnel would tilt slightly. And then part of the tunnel would spin one way and part of it would spin the other way. And you felt like the damn tram was spinning like it was attached to a, like a barbecue skewer and was just being uh, spun around. It was awesome. And then you'd go into some Battlestar Galactica thing and there'd be, uh, what were those guys called? Cylons? There'd be old school, but I'm talking obviously old school Cylons. Not hot chick human looking Cylons, like robot looking Cylons with the, the one like light bulb eye that would go back and forth. Eye, light, light. Well, that was the great, to me, that was the greatest thing in the world. The greatest thing in the world. Universal Studios. Because at one point, the tram would stop, and there'd be an avalanche, and these big foam rocks would come rolling down, and I knew they were foam rocks, and I didn't care, because that's the magic of Hollywood. Years later, I I, I ended up working at Universal. My first job here in Los Angeles, I got a job, and I was working at Universal Studios. And I had a go-kart. They gave us, I mean, I had to share it with all the production assistants. But we had a go-kart. You know this. I was working on a TV show called Almost Grown that was created by David Chase, who eventually made that mafia show. What was it called? Mm -hmm. Yeah, The Sopranos. So, but we would drive all over the back lot. So here I am, a kid who thought the foam rocks were awesome in the tram. And then I had a, right, I had a golf cart. I could basically go anywhere I wanted all throughout the entire back lot. And if anyone asked me what I was doing, I'd just go like, oh, I'm so lost. <laughs> I'm trying to find the wardrobe department in this golf cart. And I, I have no idea why I'm at Jaws Lake. I have no idea. Which way is wardrobe? I don't understand. I must have taken a left of props. And then you go down past the Psycho Mansion. I am so turned around. Anyway. That isn't, that isn't, that, that, what, what are we even talking about? What are, what are we even saying? Yes, I, I worked at Universal Studios a long, long time ago. Probably the only reason I did it was because of the, the Bionic Man's tunnel and those stupid foam rocks and Jaws Lake and all that. It just, I, mean, I, I seriously, it was the most awesome thing. I would love an excuse to drive back to, uh, the transportation department where the gasoline pumps were because you had to go through all that stuff to get from where I worked at the producer's building to the transportation department in the back. You had to go right past Jaws Lake through uh, the Roman Square and the Western Town and all that was – it was awesome. 
So this summer, we're going to Universal Studios. I don't care what happens. I don't care. Honestly, honestly, I don't care if I have to go alone. I personally, Dan Class, your humble narrator, I am going to Universal Studios. I don't care. I don't care. Do you understand? Is that, are we clear on that? So spring, so what is my, let's see what my list of things to talk about is. Yeah, who cares? But that was my spring break. Really pretty much was just doing nothing. Now, before that, uh, I did have an audition and I, but I, there's nothing to say about it. It was an audition. It was for a funny show. I didn't get the part, as you can probably tell by the tone of my voice. <sighs> Listen, I, at what at what point do you um that sound? Can you hear the sound of me rubbing my eyes super hard? That's can you hear that? That's the sound of me. You know how sometimes a guy with glasses just has to take off his glasses and rub his eyes like I give up. It was it's it's definitely that gesture. Trust me, I'm just going like. Oh. <laughs> Hey, Dan, uh, tell me something. At what point are you just going to realize that Hollywood doesn't need you and get on with your life? You understand what I mean? I, th- I, I think I need to come to grips that really, honestly, you, you're one of the few people that really, uh, uh, like, gets it, gets me, fi- sees that I have some place in this uh, universe or something. I, like, I don't, and, and, and maybe I'm just completely unrealistic about how often I should get the part so to speak but listen i hey listen i went in i did a good job it was for um oh shoot what's that show called the real uh, husbands of hollywood have you ever seen that show it's hilarious it's uh kevin hart and bj j bj smooth good jb smooth and uh robin thick and nick cannon and that's all i can remember but um real ho- real house real husbands of hollywood i think it's called it's comedy like a parody-ish of a reality show. It's awesome. Kevin Hart's hilarious. I didn't get the role as the white detective. Darn it. I could be white. I could be a detective. I had a suit and tie on. My God, give me the role. I'm bald. Let's do it. now. I don't think I've, I was physically uh, intimidating enough because, uh, you know, I'm 5'7". <laughs> uh, they don't need me. I really, I really don't know where I fit in. I, and this is how you know that Hollywood doesn't need you. When you don't even need yourself, you know that there's a problem. Because every, every day, every couple of days, I sit down and go, you know, Dan, you gotta, you've only been talking about this for 10, 20, 50 years. You've got to make this switch. You've got to do a short film. You've got to do a feature. You've got to do a video series. You've got to do something. You've got to get, right? Make your own thing. And I say, okay, I will do that. And then I try it. I like well what could you play Dan <laughs> and the answer is I don't know <laughs> the only thing I can ever think of is the really depressed guy that all, all he wants to do is watch TV all day now if I could, in all seriousness if you have an idea of a TV series or a video series like an internet TV show that I could develop where I play a depressed bald guy who all he does is he watches TV all the time and and then he maybe talks for about an hour a week except during spring break then I then then I think I may be onto something other than that I'm seriously like well what <laughs> I'm laughing cuz it's so sad cuz I'm really just at my wits end 
my kids, you know, because my kids keep going to these birthday parties and bar mitzvahs and bat mitzvahs and sleepovers or whatever. Everyone around us is so much richer than we are. We are my I I think of my uh, of my wife as having a good having had definitely a good job with a really good paycheck. And, you know, for an actor, I do uh, not that great, but better than average. Right. We have no we have no money. These people are so rich, just richy, rich, like rich. And I I'm getting worn out feeling like a loser because our house isn't worth two million dollars. And that really is, it's, it's like the more I lift my head out of my ass and look around me, that is the reality of my situation. Dan, just accept you're going to feel like a loser until you have a $2 million home. And that's just not going to happen. <laughs> we can barely afford the house. The house we have now is crumbling around our ankles. And every time I go to some other person's house, I'm just like, oh, you've got to be kidding. Really? Oh, and you have one in Aspen too? Oh, wow. Oh, this is the small one. Yeah, I understand. Yeah, it's cheaper in Aspen, sure. I can't, I, I can't, I mean, what? I, I just, I pray that wherever you live, unless it's Manhattan, because I'm sure Manhattan's the same way. Like you have to, you know, you have to not, it's probably in Manhattan, it's probably the same thing where it's not enough to own an apartment. Like that, that in and of itself is a freaking miracle. To own real any real estate in Manhattan is probably a miracle, but you probably feel like a loser until you can buy the apartment next to yours and knock down all the walls. Am I right, sisters? Let's hear a hallelujah. I just want to know if my friends in Rochester um, have that same... I assume not. I assume, I pray that this is the case, that you just kind of like, yeah, bought a place and you're living your lives and you're not constantly feeling crushed that you're not driving a $125,000 car and your house is, right, is three-story mansion and just like, it's just, I pray that the rest of you are not putting yourselves through this. It's ridiculous. And I know it's my fault. I know I wanted to be an actor. I know I'm not a businessman. I know that. I know I can't compare myself to my friends and acquaintances that own their own companies that work really hard eight days a week or that work for, you know, work in other completely different industries like banking, right? One of our friends is a banker. He's a big bank guy. Like I can't compare myself to my bank friend. It's ridiculous. And plus, he's almost seven feet tall. Dan, you have to accept you're a short little bald guy who wants to be an actor. There's already a David Cross. Punch out. Leave. Stop. Just stop. Okay? The role has been filled. There's no vacancy. Move along. But what happens is I have this agent who occasionally gets me out. It's the, it's the age-old story. But the new twist to my story is that I have a daughter. Now, I've been doing commercials right since 19, what, 98, 97, 96. I have no idea. Been doing, right, professional kind of like card-carrying actor since the mid, let's say, mid-90s, early 90s, probably early 90s. Okay, but, but, but my point is commercials. So I've been doing commercials, let's say, steadily since 1990 let's say seven or eight. My daughter, because she's a tiny little blonde nine, 10-year-old girl 
who actually has charisma and talent. She doesn't really have an agent. She kind of is just with my agent, who apparently now is her agent. So now my daughter, without trying, has an eight. She got she got this commercial, this one commercial that ran all the damn time at the holidays. And she kind of has, so now she has an agent. Her, the agent, I don't think, even really is submitting her for things, and she keeps getting auditions. The agent isn't even trying to get, we, she doesn't even have a headshot. And I don't even remember if I told you, so a couple weeks ago, I had to take her to Nickelodeon. To audition for a part, Dan, on one of the Nickelodeon shows? No. So they could meet her at Nickelodeon. We had just took her there for just a like, well, ah, let's see. Well, they gave her a script. You know, they gave her a script. Like, yeah, work on this or whatever. Come on in. Or, no, no, no. She doesn't even have a headshot. And she's having generals at the network. So then last weekend, um, she had to get ready for this huge audition. for Nickel- Again, for Nickelodeon. For a sketch show that they're doing. And it's an all-girl sketch show. Well, they're doing a pilot. Let's not get ahead of ourselves. But it's an all-girl sketch show. The age, the age range of the girls in the sketch show is some crazy thing like 6 to 12, which doesn't sound that crazy until you take a look at a 6-year-old and then you take a look at a 12-year-old. Well, she had to do all these different characters. She had to do a hillbilly and she had to do like a Joan Rivers impression and a rapper and a pop singer and a – what else? There were a couple other. There's the – like a professional wrestler, all these just crazy, crazy characters. And we go to the audition, and the main reason I bring it up is, again, the difference between a six-year-old and a 12-year-old, there were no six-year-olds there. My daughter, when she went, was the oldest one there at, you know, two days before 10. She just turned 10, which is freaking me out. A 10-year-old, at least a 10-year-old in my world, I don't know about 10-year-olds in your world, because I understand 10-year-olds, and I don't know if we should get into this, but I I understand 10-year-olds in other people's worlds, not my world, my personal world, but in other people's personal worlds are all over Instagram and are, I think, are growing up faster than my daughter and her friends. My daughter is still a kid. She's 10, but she's still a kid, okay? She's not really tweening out. It's not cute, and we don't think it's cool, and we're not pushing her to be a teenager. There's plenty of time to be a teenager, whatever. She's not on Instagram. She's not going to be on Instagram. Some friends of mine were were passing around this blog post that this woman did. It was a very well-written blog post about how to safeguard your child, how to kind of monitor your child's activity on Instagram and how you have to be, you know, you have to be connected to them on Instagram and you have to keep an eye on what they're posting. And you have to explain to them how hurtful it can be if you do this or do that. And I guess there are these things like beauty contests that are crushing these little pre-teenage girls. And I read this whole thing and I thought, yeah, she's got some good ideas, but here's my idea of how to protect your 10-year-old from uh, Instagram. Don't let her be on Instagram. Have her live in what I like to call the actual world. Have her have actual social networks, not virtual social networks. Have her be 10. Is that so? See, because here's, it's amazing. All right, we'll go on this tangent for a moment. For the longest time, parents would look at us, my wife and I, with stars in their eyes because my son didn't have a cell phone. 
And their kid had had a cell phone for like four years. And like, I can't, we can't, just can't believe. Or, or with video games, like their kid had been playing Call of Duty since he was seven. And Hudson has never played Call of Duty and he's 14. He still hasn't played it. And they'd look at us like, I don't know how you've done it, but it's just amazing how you've kind of kept Hudson away from all that stuff. And I just don't know how you do it. <laughs> it's easy. It's really easy because guess what? Hudson doesn't have a credit card. See, that's how he didn't get a phone. And he doesn't have Call of Duty. And he doesn't do this and he doesn't do that. And he wasn't on Facebook until he was 13 because guess what? I own the computers. My wife and I own the computers. We have the credit cards. So he couldn't get a cell phone until we said he could have a cell phone. Just because you let your kid browbeat you into getting him a cell phone when he was six because he really, really needed one? Because why? Because all his friends had it? Or because you didn't want to keep track of when he got out of soccer practice? So you just figured, you know what, just, I don't, I'm just going to not think about it and you call me when you're done. Where we've lived our lives, where, listen, I know what time soccer... Soccer practice is over at 5.15. He doesn't have to call me. At 5.15, soccer's over. That's pretty much how soccer works. Oh, no, my kid needs a cell phone. You know, in case he ever needs me. Where is your kid going to be? Walking down the street? Your kid's just going to be walking down the street in the middle of the city and suddenly need to call you. He's all by himself, and he needs to call you. And, oh, if only he had a cell phone. But, no... Your kid is at school all day, or they're at Taekwondo. How'd they get to Taekwondo? You drove them. Who's going to drive them home? You. Who are they going to call? No one. Don't get them a cell. Why, why are you doing this to me? Why, why do I have to play the jerk? Because I don't really think my kid needs a cell phone until he's really got his own like schedule that I am not maintaining. Anyway, anyway, it doesn't matter. The point is, we're just weird to have people like, oh, and these girls, they're being so hurtful on Instagram. I'm like, well, 10-year-olds shouldn't be on Instagram. 10-year-olds aren't mature enough to handle being on Instagram from a, like, a uploader point of view or from a seeing it point of view. So don't let your kids be on Instagram, party girl. It's that simple. I don't even know where we're going with that. Oh, yeah. Well, that was that was the thing is. Um, so we go to the audition at the studio. We would drive up to Hollywood, you know. Have I lost all the view? Have I have all my listeners now abandoned me because I've ridiculed them for getting letting their kids on Instagram? It doesn't need really. Come on. Put a puzzle together. Do something. I'll figure out how to alienate you. Don't worry. It's coming. I'll find that sweet spot. I'll get I'll I'll push you right into the arms of NPR, trust me. Full time. Full time NPR. Grammar girl, here they come. I don't think she's on NPR. So, so we go in there and there are a couple of twelve year olds, and twelve year olds are teenagers. Twelve-year-olds are preteens. My daughter's a little child, so she comes in and she's dressed, she looks kind of cute or whatever, but then there's like pre-sexy pre-teens and that's just weird and maybe their moms don't realize that they're kind of pre-sexy pre-teen but i'm like as a guy going come on really with the tight 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 jeans and the ugg boots and the makeup that's a little pre-sexy pre-teen is that what they're going for on the nickelodeon sketch show with the six-year-olds all that makeup really <laughs> okay is that where we're really But I'm 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 uh, 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 I'm becoming a stage parent, and I don't want to be a stage parent. 
It's bad enough that I want to do this. I don't want to facilitate my daughter doing it, really. I really don't. But she really wants to do it. And she wants to do it in kind of a rational way. It's not a really needy, kind of crazy way. It's kind of a rational way, which I'm hoping means that it's not going to be the life and death of her, that she's just going to kind of like, eh, that's kind of boring. You know what I mean? So she went into the audition. She did her thing. She came out of the audition. She's like, Dad, I'm so PO'd. She only had me do half the script. Like, what are you talking about? And so, yeah, the casting director came out and said, ah, did you guys, you guys don't know that we're only doing half the script? And all the girls were like, oh, I worked all weekend on my Joan Rivers impression. And now we're not doing the Joan Rivers impression? Seriously. And you should have seen Tulu and Melissa working on Joan Rivers. My, my wife is writing New York accent out phonetically for Tulu, who does not have an ear for it at all. We clearly don't visit enough. Where she, She's just like, what? what, what is, I don't get it. I had to check the time there. So, oh, no. Something really weird happened technologically that I'm still not sure what happened. So, like I say, for most of spring break, my wife was out of town. She was in Canada. And um, when she got back, well, no, let me back up. Before she went, uh, she and I have been having trouble texting each other phone to phone, okay? And a lot of times her text would come up being assigned to her old work email. And every once in a while I'll mention it and every once in a while she'll get upset because she'll text me and I won't know. And I'll, and so this happened right before she left and she said, I texted you. And I said, well, I didn't, you know, it didn't pop to the surface. And I looked and I did have the text. But again, you know, it didn't kind of like ping to the top of the phone. So she starts complaining, oh, people are always telling me that they don't get my texts and it's assigned to my old email address and my boss is always complaining, blah, blah, blah. So I say, listen, let me look at your phone again. I'm going to take care of this once and for all. This is ridiculous that your old work email is still in your phone. So I take the phone and I I scrounge around until I find uh, her old email address and whatnot. It turns out, so in, in her email area, she still had... Her, she had her current email, her Gmail. She had email from a freelance gig that she did a year ago. And then she had her old full-time job email. And so I took I – th- I may or – I don't remember how this goes exactly. But I may or may not have deleted that email account from the phone. The, you know, all the, the, the account, I guess. Yeah, that's the word I'm looking for. And, um, and then any mention of that email address – in the phone, took it out, took it out, test, did some test, uh, you know, texts. They went through. It was perfect. They came through as her name, Melissa, and not, you know, Melissa underscore Weber at blah, 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 whatever. And it was all, everything was good. So then she goes to Canada. And, and then, you know, of course, nobody takes care of it beforehand. So while she's in Canada, I have to then get on the phone with a phone company and go, hey, by the way, my wife's in Canada. Can she call people in Canada? What's that going to cost us? How can I get on a plan where she can call from Canada and it's not going to cost us $37 you know, trillion? So we get that sorted out. Then she comes home. And, and this is a weird coincidence. And I, I don't 
I don't know what's going on. So she she comes home and she says, all of my contacts are gone in my phone. And I go, what do you mean? She goes, my contacts, you know, my con- my phone numbers, my addresses. Oh, my, my whole address book is empty except for maybe 50 numbers that I put in really super recently. But all my old contacts are gone. And I say to her, what a coincidence. I don't know why because I haven't synced my phone. I haven't done anything with my phone. All of mine are gone, which was true. All of my contacts were gone. Now, the difference, though, between me and my wife is I sync my phone to my laptop. So all of my contacts were in my laptop. So all I had to do was plug my phone into my laptop and they were all restored. My wife, because her phone used to be paid for by her old boss or by her old uh, job, her old company, um, it was all it was all set up by the company. It was even it wasn't even set up in California. It was set up by the New York office, so she never had any clue how it was set up, and never took the time to make sure that any of that stuff was getting backed up somewhere. And I, because I didn't set it up was always, you know, semi, I was hesitant to touch it and semi, I wasn't allowed to touch it. You, you know what I mean? So she really does only have like 50 contacts out of having, you know, she's had these, been building this contact list for what, I don't know, 15, 20 years, right? It's her whole professional contact, whatever. And you know where this story is going. It's, it's my fault. Because... I must have done something when I took her phone to delete all the contacts. And I keep saying, well, hon, I mean, it could very well be my fault. Don't get me wrong. But it's kind of weird that I have no contacts and I didn't do anything to my phone. And you've lost some of your contacts. But also, I don't think me deleting the email account should erase your contacts from your contacts in your phone. Those Aren't those things separate? And she's like, well, why would they be separate? And I'm like, because they're separate. And she's like, but why? That was set up by the company. And it, and it was the company email. And you deleted the company email. So why wouldn't that just take the contacts? And I'm like, but honey, I don't think it's right. Now, if my wife ever accuses me of something and it goes to court, I'm going to tell you right now, I'm going to jail. And I'll tell you why. My wife is the kind of person who, well, like in in this instance, it's a perfect example. My wife would go in court and swear, be sworn in, in front of the judge and the jury and everything. They would say, Ms. Weber, did your husband deleting your contact deleting your email account, did that delete all of your contacts from your phone? And she would say, yes. And then the, my, my defense attorney would say, are you sure? And she would say, yes. And my defense attorney would say, but how do you know that? And she said, well, that's how it was set up. And then my defense attorney would be screwed. And then, but, but then I, if I was on the stand and someone would say, well, Mr. Class, did you deleting that email account, did that destroy all of your wife's content? Con, 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 what's it called? Contacts? Did that delete all of your wife's contacts from the phone? And I would say, I don't know. And they would say, how do you, what do you mean? And I'd say, how should I know? I don't think that they're related. So you think they're unrelated? I would say, I'm fairly certain that they're unrelated. 
Well, why aren't you sure? Because I didn't design the goddamn phone. What am I, a G? I, I, to be absolutely sure, I would have to go back in time and do some troubleshooting. I didn't design the phone. I didn't set up the email system. I don't know. Maybe is there, I mean, I don't know. Let's call Apple. Let's find out. Is there some way that those contacts could actually have been propagated from some cloud thing and go into the phone and they were constantly supplied to the phone through the internet and not stored on the phone, which doesn't make any sense to me, but I suppose that's possible. I'd go to jail. I would go to jail. Why? Because if you say to my wife, Melissa, are your keys in your purse? She says, yes. And if you say to me, Dan, are your keys in your pocket? I say, I assume so. Do you understand the difference? Am I making myself clear? So to my wife, I have definitely, without a doubt, I personally, Dan Class, I have deleted, because I took that email account off the phone, I have definitely deleted, without a shadow of a doubt, all of her contacts from her phone. And she's devastated. And if you ask me, I'm saying, yeah, I'm, yeah. I deleted that email account, but what the hell does that have to do with their contacts? Who in their right mind would design a system whereby deleting that account would also take the contacts out of the phone? The contacts should be in the phone. The email should be on the email server, but the contacts should be on the phone. And really, when we get right down to it, it's my wife's fault that they're gone because she should have backed them up. And if you say that, Dan, you're not going to jail. You're just going to divorce court. So guess what? Take a bullet for the team and take a bullet for the team. And she kept even looking at me going, why won't you just say that you did it? I'm like, honey, fine, fine. Uh, 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 uh." Because I don't know that I did it because I don't know, because it doesn't make any sense to me that deleting that old email account would take all of the contacts with it from the last 15 years. So I'm like, honey is yes. Yes, I will say that odds are excellent as far as we know, given what we are assuming right now about the phone, that my deleting that did most likely, possibly, probably, I really don't think so. I mean, you're really, she really needs me to just take the blame. And I really just can't do it because I don't think they're related, but the coincidence is too great. And I would say, yes, definitely. Me taking that email thing out of there definitely deleted your contacts. I would say that, except where are my contacts? Why would my contacts disappear? I think there's some weird freaking thing going on with the phones or something. Something has gone haywire. And I Google contacts how to contacts are missing and i get all these hits of people going yeah i don't know why but suddenly all my contacts are gone yeah i don't know why but my wife's contacts all disappeared yeah how can i get all back back all my contacts they just suddenly disappeared when i updated my facebook app or i updated my my uh, my operating system or I updated... so it all roads lead to it's just some sort of cosmic f up but i have to take the fall why because i'm married I got to go. I got to go. I got to go. This has been The Bitter's Pill. I think it's number 309. I really got to go because I have uh, work to do. Okay, uh, I'll talk to you soon. Bye. The Bitter's Pill is produced by Jacket Media, makers of fine podcasts since 2004. That's...